So we have with us today Pastor John White from the Rock Church, and um, I have known I've known John White for a few years now because we're we're getting old. Notice that my the kids I know yeah some of you are a lot older than me, <laughs> but um, and we were talking earlier about my kids t- talk about the '80s like it's the oldies music, and I'm like man when did that start happening? <laughs> but uh, John is a good man, and we we've traveled in the same circles for a long time, like two ships passing in the night. And um, I, I can tell you that he's a he's a man of integrity, and I think a lot of it is because he's got a great wife behind him, uh, Jackie here. And um, but I've seen the impact that he's had on uh, on people's lives, on young men's lives specifically, and um, it's good to have him here this morning. So, Pastor John White, <clears throat> glad to be here. <clears throat> I uh, I was thinking uh, too. I when Jacqueline and I first came to uh, the Rock Church in Fenton, that's where we're from, uh, the Rock Church, one of the pastors over there. When we first came uh, to the Rock Church in the fall of 2010, uh, Phil and Lauren uh, were two of the first people that my wife and I met. They were newly married, and we were new to the church, and we went to uh, a connections lunch that they had on a Sunday afternoon. And come to find out, Phil and Lauren had been there for years, and later we were like, why on earth were they at that thing? Um, but they were newly married and they wanted to explore the church from the marriage standpoint and not from we've grown up here. Uh, so we met them. And then, you know, speaking of kids, Chris, we were on our way one night to a game night at your house. Jacqueline and I, we were pregnant with our first son. And I called you like, we're not going to make it, man. I think this child might be coming tonight. We called off and drove to the hospital. And um, Excuses. That was, that was almost six years ago. That's, that's a long time. So... Uh, yeah, so it's fun to have, uh, you know, connections to other local bodies within the body of Christ. I think it makes the vast nature of the body of Christ a little bit smaller for us, just to know that there are family uh, worshiping in other places. And, uh, just an honor to be here with you this morning. Uh, I was joking with Phil, you know, he, he asked me if I would preach for him. He said, I'm going to be away. Would you come in and preach? And I said, yeah, I'd be happy to help you out. Um, and he was like, you can preach whatever you want. If you want to, uh, you know, open a text that the Lord lays on your heart, that's fine. Or if you want to continue in the series that we're going through right now, we're in Philippians. Uh, he said, that would be fine if you want to do that. And uh, he initially gave me the wrong verses. And then he got back. He's like, I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong verses. This is where you will be. And I looked at it and said, you're, you're going to have the guest come in and talk about grumbling and disputing. How does that work out? So, uh, so I'm here to to open the Word of God and talk to you about not arguing with one another. Uh, so I'm happy to be here. The book of Philippians, the letter uh, that Paul writes, uh, what a wonderful passage of Scripture. I, I love the whole book from the first verse of the first chapter to the last verse of the last chapter. This is an encouraging, inspiring, uplifting letter, and it has meant a lot in my own life, and specifically these verses that uh, you guys find yourselves as a church body working through right now. Uh, I love them. So if you have your Bibles with you, Philippians chapter 2, uh, and we'll, we'll go to some other portions of the Bible as well, but we're going to start in Philippians chapter 2. And let's just read these together. Uh, chapter 2, verse 14 through 18. Let's read these. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be, 
I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. He opens, uh, you know, at least for us, where we find ourselves in this letter uh, today. We open with difficult words. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Uh, But I just want to remind you of where we find ourselves in the letter uh, right now. I I did go back and listen to Phil's sermon from last week, and I was encouraged and uplifted by it. But uh, in the verses preceding here, uh, Paul is encouraging the Philippians to uh, work out their salvation, to remember that our walk with Jesus Christ is a continual striving, a continual work, a continual struggle. Uh, And Paul has kind of been speaking to that from the beginning of the letter. He encourages them towards the end of chapter 1, do all things with a like mind for the sake of the gospel. Uh, And then in the start of chapter 2, if there's any encouragement, if there is any comfort, if there is any love and patience, don't look out for your own interests, with the interests of others and humility. Have the mind of Christ. Like These things are very difficult for us in our humanity. So to be walking with the Lord, it just shows us the the struggle that we have uh, in following the Lord in this life. And then he comes to this portion in chapter Uh, to this portion of his letter where he just writes to the Philippian church, do all things without grumbling or disputing. I just want to think about that, just the call in those words uh, to holiness and the standard that we're called to. I wonder with the nature of the Philippian letter, he writes to the church and he's not condemning as he does in a lot of other letters. There's a lot of correction that needs to happen in a lot of the churches. But in this letter, that doesn't happen. So when he writes this, is he writing from the standpoint of, I spent a lot of my life with the people in Corinth and I've written them two extremely long letters working against division and working against disputes and working against things that have caused strife in their body. So now is he writing from the standpoint of, listen, you believers in Philippi don't have grumblings and disputes among you. They're they're toxic. They're bad. They're not good. Consider your brothers in Corinth who have had this and have worked through division don't have this. Or is he just... In general, just encouraging them. Don't be divided. Don't grumble. Don't dispute. Because when grumblings, maybe your Bible says the word murmurings, when these things start to happen, division is sure to follow. I started to think as I I studied through this and prepared for the weekend, I started to wonder, uh, you know, what are the forms that we grumble? Who are we grumbling against? He's like, don't grumble. Don't have disputes. Who do we grumble against? And who do we dispute with? What is the point of that? Uh, and for me, it came down to just two things. One, we, we grumble against God and we grumble against other people. We have disputes with other people. Uh, so I wanted to take a, a quick look in the Old Testament, in the, uh, the book of Exodus chapter 16, if you want to turn with me. Exodus chapter 16, if you want to um, have a front row, first-hand look at a nation of grumbling, disputing people, you don't have to look any further than the Word of God and the story of the history of the Israelite people. They seem to be always unsatisfied. They're always murmuring, always grumbling. And this portion of Scripture just highlights, wow, how awful they were at it. They just, I don't think they could help themselves. So uh, we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. They have come out of Egypt. They have crossed the Red Sea. Uh, Let's read a a few verses here. Exodus 16, 1. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Zin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they, de- they had departed from the land of Egypt. 
And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. I've learned in my life that hunger is an easy thing to help lead to murmurings and disputes. We get hungry and I, I know it happens a lot on Sunday mornings for people that sit in church and when a preacher's preaching, they're like, I'm hungry and I'm going to murmur and have dispute with him because he's been talking for so long and I want to eat. I, I know this in my own life. We get hungry and then we start to get angry. And I think the young people today, they call it hangry and the mixture of the two. Here's the nation of Israel grumbling that they are not back in bondage in Israel. Uh, to show the ridiculous nature of our humanity, God had delivered them from years of bondage. They were oppressed and in chains in Egypt. And now they have come to the point in their exodus from Egypt, they have come to the point where they're like, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt instead of having been delivered. We are hungry. You brought us out here to kill us by hunger. Down in verse 8. Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Let's think in our lives, is is there something today, are you grumbling against the Lord for something in your life? Is Is there a reason you know, maybe a cause, and I don't want to say that it's not worth something. Maybe it's a, some sort of valid reason. Are you grumbling against the Lord in your life? Has He provided in your grumbling? Down to verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. You know, one, I'm really grateful for this example because... Moses points out to the people, you're grumbling. Your problem is not with Aaron and I. Your problem is with the Lord. You're grumbling against the Lord. Uh, And they were upset that they were starving, that they were hungry, that they were in the wilderness. And still the Lord provided for them. In my own life, I'm I'm thankful to look at that example and think, wow, Lord, how many times have you provided over and over when I have not been in a position that is right before you, where I've been maybe even upset with where I am in life, grumbling against where you've brought me in life, yet you provide. Uh, The people didn't know what to call it. Moses said, it's the bread that the Lord has given you. Down in verse 31. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Uh, So they grumble against the Lord and he provides for them. And we would think that perhaps their grumbling days would be over. And I wonder, has there been something you've grumbled against and God has provided? And did you... Remain content with that? Or did the murmurings and the grumblings and quarrelings come back? And if you want to turn over to the book of Numbers, just a couple of books away, Numbers chapter 11, just to show where the people return to. And I think it serves as a lesson for us. Like, let's be careful if the Lord provides. Let's be thankful. Let's not grumble and dispute. 
Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. Like, what misfortunes were they upset about? They were going to die in Egypt and they were delivered. Miraculously, they came through the sea and their enemy was destroyed. And now they're, they have all these... What, what misfortunes? They were saved and spared and they're grumbling about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, His anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Let's be careful when we grumble against the Lord. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Tabira, because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Verse 4, Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. They grumbled. They were provided for. They grumbled again. We we, we grumble against the Lord. I, I think... How often in my life have I come to a place where I grumble against where God has got me at, where, where God has placed me? I, I want to be over there. I'm not. I'm here. And God, I'm upset that I'm here and I'm not over there and not being patient, not looking for the refining work of the Holy Spirit in my life to move me to that place. I'm just upset that I'm here. And they were upset that they were starving. Then they were upset with what they had been given. Uh, man, are you grumbling against the Lord today? You know, another thing I think about, we grumble against the Lord and we also grumble against people. We grumble, we we cause quarrels and disagreements and arguments against people. I um, am the son of a pastor, and for as long as I can remember, I've been in the church. And it's interesting to me that these verses in Philippians are written to the church. And I think it's a very important lesson because church people know how to grumble and have dispute. I have watched people grumble and dispute among churches over the most ridiculous of things. As a child, I remember a lady who was upset that she was not consulted over the color of curtains in a room in the church. Literally upset. She was angry and upset that she was not consulted. She grumbled. She murmured. She saw that. It produced something in her. She started to murmur and complain and grumble and division. And what a ridiculous thing for us to grumble over. People grumble over words. They dispute teachings, they have preferences that they want over another. And Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he's like, don't have that. In all things, in all things, in whatever you do, and he writes that same to the Colossian church as well, do all things without grumbling. We grumble against people. He would write to the Corinthian church many times saying, there should be no division among you. Don't be divided. Don't have something that comes between you and another person. Whatever that may be. Get rid of it, deal with it, settle it in a godly, biblical way, but don't let there be division among you. James wrote to the 12 scattered tribes, don't grumble against one another. Don't don't have problems with people. Lay your problems aside and don't have them. Paul just says, do all things without, be void of, be empty of. Don't have this among you. Think about other passages of Scripture and how they line up with not grumbling. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 tells us that as far as it depends on us, we are to live at peace with all people. 
We are to find a way to have peace in our relationships with people. Grumbling and disputing is not a producer of peace. That's a producer of division. We are to live at peace with people. Ephesians 5.19 tells us to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So instead of speaking out of our grumbling and what James would say is uh, the sinful passions that lie within us that we need to surrender to the Lord, instead of speaking out of those, we should be speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that would uplift and encourage people around us and not cause division. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says that requests, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving should be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority that we believers may live peaceful lives, quiet lives, which pleases God who desires that all people be saved. When we grumble against God, when we grumble against people, we are not accomplishing what the Lord desires and we are not pleasing Him. So grumblings and disputes, quarrels that arise among us, these things have to be put away for the sake of Christ and the sake of his body, the church. But then the question becomes, well, why? Because in our humanity, grumblings and quarrels are kind of just commonplace. All around the world, the example that we have in the world, which we are called to not follow, the example we have in the world is to grumble and complain about everything. I I wonder... Did you find yourself in a grocery market line in the past week, grumbling that there wasn't another grocery market line to go to? You're like, why are there only three or four grocery lines open in this store that has 20 grocery lines, and now I have to wait, and and grumblings and disputes arise so easily. He writes to the Philippians, says, in all things, do not have this. I think about in my life, things that I grumble over, things that I murmur against, instead of being thankful, instead of allowing the love of Jesus Christ in my life to produce thanks, I grumble about things. Like when a fast food restaurant gets my order wrong in the drive-thru and I don't realize it until I'm a mile down the road. This happened not long ago. We had a good day. Our family, my my wife and I, Jacqueline, we have four young children, six and under, and uh, we were working in the yard and just had a really good day, but it was really hot. We were really worn out. And the last thing we wanted to do was cook dinner. I said, let's get in the van and we'll go to McDonald's. The Golden Arches will bail us out today. So we drove to McDonald's and I had worked really hard and I wanted to eat nothing healthy. I wanted a double quarter pounder with cheese and bacon and a large Coke and a large fry. And I wasn't sure I wanted to stop there, but I did. I ordered what sounded delicious to me. And a mile down the road, I opened up the box of a grilled chicken sandwich. Exactly right. And I, of course, I was driving with my knee, which you probably shouldn't do either, but this is a chicken sandwich. I looked at Jacqueline. This is not right. I wanted grease and burger. This is a chicken sandwich. So I, so I ate it, grumbling the entire way. There's doggone hell. Instead of just being thankful. And I wonder how easily do more serious murmurings and disputes, how quickly do they rise within us? How quickly do we listen to that voice tempting us, saying, go, go this way, instead of saying, you know what? I don't know what kind of day the person who messed up this order had, and I don't know who got blessed by the burger I was supposed to get, but here I am and I'm thankful for it. Instead, instead we give in. 
we grumble and we complain. We do not accomplish the Lord's. What if I had gone back into the restaurant? You got my order wrong. Like, what kind of light would I be to them? Doesn't please the Lord. Doesn't accomplish His desire. <clears throat> so why, why shouldn't we grumble and argue? Well, he goes on. This verse, verse 14, doesn't stop. There's a comma and then it continues. It says in 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. <clears throat> That's why we shouldn't grumble and have disputes with people. I just, it seems to be so clear to me when I read the word. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Because if you do all things with grumbling and disputing, you are not blameless. You are not innocent. You are not showing yourself to be the purified, set-apart children of God that we are called to be. You are not shining as lights in the world. That's if we grumble and have disputes. And specifically, among us, the body of Christ, where it shouldn't be. I think we're in the time of year right now where if you go outside at night, we're just more likely right now to see a clear night sky. It's just the time of the year in Michigan where we live where we can go out in the middle of the night and we can look up and be like, wow. And you can look at all the stars that exist. And you can see the moon when it's full. It's just bright and awesome. And all the stars are up there. And I think you can't look anywhere in the night sky on a clear springtime, summer night sky in Michigan. You can't look anywhere and not see thousands upon thousands. Upon, what's about Myriads upon myriads of stars. Like from one end to the other, as far as you can see, there are stars. And some are big and bright, and some are smaller and, and dim, but they're still bright. They're shining in the world. And that's the analogy that Paul uses for us. I grew up memorizing things in the New International Version, and it literally says, among whom you shine like stars in the universe. And I think to myself, if we're grumbling, if we're disputing, which is not a characteristic for God's people, then we're diminishing our visibility in the world in a dark, he says, in a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine out as lights. If we have grumbles and disputes among us within the body of Christ, when we look at the dark sky of humanity, everywhere we look, we should see Christians shining brightly as the children of Christ. And when there are grumbling and disputings, murmurings and quarrels, when those things exist among us, we are not shining out for the world to see the light of Jesus Christ. Moreover, we're not blameless. We're called throughout the Bible to live a life above reproach. We're called to live an excellent standard of Jesus Christ. And we're not blameless if we have grumbling and disputes. We're called to be innocent and to attain to the holiness of God. He says, be holy because I am holy. We're not innocent. We're not clean. It says if you, have, if you do all things without grumbling and disputing, then you will show yourselves to be children of God without blemish. And we're always wondering, when is the Lord going to return and be done with crooked humanity? Well, it says He's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And if there's grumbling and disputing among His body, the church, then the bride's dress has a stain. And it needs to go away. You need to shine out light like lights in the world. I thought of a verse in Matthew that I committed to memory several years ago through a children's camp. Uh, it was one of the, it was the, the guiding verse of the week 
And I had a cabin of fifth grade boys and they memorized it and so did I. And so I was drawn to it again in the book of Matthew. Uh, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it become, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are called to shine. Without grumbling and disputing, we shine as lights in the world. When we grumble, murmur, quarrel, argue, bicker, backbite, oh man, all these awful things that I've just seen for far too long. When those things exist among us, we are not shining as lights in the world. And men are not drawn to the dullness of our testimony. They should be drawn to the pure nature of a redeeming Savior. Do all things without grumbling, because when you grumble, when you dispute, you do not accomplish the Lord's desire, you do not please Him. Do all things that you may be blameless, that you may be innocent, that you may be clean, and that you may shine out. How do we do these things? I look and the verse continues on here. 15 ends that you might shine out as lights in the world. How? Holding fast to the word of life. Well, I just consider that how in our walk with Jesus Christ, saved and redeemed by His blood, receiving the grace of God, how powerful His word is in the life of His followers. How important the word of God is for us to know, to understand, to share, And he says here that you may shine out as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life so that when people look at you and see you shining in the universe, they might say, what causes this? And we might say, the word of God. I'm clinging to the word of God. It should come along with a life that is living for the Lord. The word of God should be ever present. Holding fast to the word of life. I think about what that looks like in our our day to day. I go through a lot of things. I have a lot of people say sometimes, I face this at work, I have this pressure, I have this situation in my home. How do I cling fast? How do I hold fast to the word of life? Just a few pages over in your Bible, Philippians chapter 4, you'll, you'll be there and, uh, well, I don't know, if, if Phil teaches the Bible like I do, you'll probably get into Philippians chapter 4 sometime maybe before the end of the year, I don't know. Um, but it's worth taking your time to get to. You're going to get to Philippians chapter 4 and you come to verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, so grumblings and disputes and murmurings and quarrels, where do they come from? Well, they come from us thinking about things that produce them instead of thinking about the things of God. Someone says something, someone does something, we just don't like something, what do we do? We start to talk, it builds in our heart, and we start to talk about it and give it chatter, we give it a voice in our life instead of saying, no, this isn't excellence. This isn't something that is praiseworthy. This isn't something that is honorable. I'm just going to put it aside for the cause of Christ and live at peace here. 
Paul would encourage the Philippian church, think on these things, dwell on these things. So we hold fast to the word of life, hold fast to the word and truth of the Lord. What else do we do? We, we should be holding fast to godly examples of the word in our life. Because immediately after telling them to think on these things, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, excellent. He then says in Philippians 4.9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So I, I, come, I start coming to a place as I, I look in these verses. Don't grumble, don't dispute. Okay, when I don't do those things, I'm blameless, I'm innocent, I'm clean, I'm visible to the world and shining the light of Jesus. I do that by holding fast to the word of life. Paul says, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. I just think, if you have someone in your life that you are pouring godly counsel into, that's not for nothing. That, that means something eternally. Paul's like, I'm glad that I've done it. He even says in verse 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. I got into the Leviticus a little bit, the law of the Levites, the Israelites followed. I'm like, I don't really remember what the drink offering is. What's that about? They would prepare the lamb or the bull or the goat, whatever the offering was to be in a drink offering. You brought a measurement of wine or some form of liquid oil or whatever it may be. And they would pour that over the top of the offering and offer that to the Lord. Paul here is like, if I'm poured out upon the sacrifice of your faith, I'm glad that I did that. I'm glad that I did not labor in vain and I rejoice with you all. So I think in our life without grumbling, without disputing, in our life struggling to follow closely the word of God, where quarreling is present, where anger is present, where murmurings happen, where gossip is allowed to live, it doesn't please God or bring about what he desires. It doesn't cause us to be blameless, innocent, clean, or shiny. And it doesn't demonstrate that we are even a willing follower of the Word of God or of godly example that He's placed in our lives. And he wraps up this little passage. He's going to go on to talk about, and next week you're going to get into a little bit of the lives that he has had effect on and their ministry also among the Philippians. But these couple of verses here he wraps up. If I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So one, if you have someone who is pouring into your life, rejoice with them that they're obedient to the Lord to speak into your life. Two, I hope you have someone, believer in Jesus, follower of the Lord here today, I hope you have someone in your life, no matter the age, we should never think I've reached an age where this doesn't matter anymore. It matters I hope that you have someone that you are pouring your life into. Paul is literally like, if I die and am poured out because you have believed, I rejoice and I am glad in that. And we should be striving for the same attitude. I will spend my life for the benefit and belief and increasing faith of another person. We need to be done with disputes. We need to be done with quarrels, with grumbling. Spend your life in a way, not complaining, Spend your life in a way so that someone else will come into the family of grace, will grow and know and believe, and by faith be united with the Lord Jesus for all of eternity. Would you pray with me today?
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, God, that it challenges us, that it is difficult, but that you show us the example and the way to go. Father, I pray for lives here today that grumblings and disputes, that murmurings and quarrels, God, that they would cease. I'm reminded, Father, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. That freedom, that liberty brings peace. And God, I pray that it would reign here today. Father, I pray that we would live our lives, that we would be blameless, innocent, clean, and shining as lights in the universe, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.